don't be afraid to laugh into the microphone because okay. I think people enjoy mm-hmm. hearing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So don't worry okay. about that. All right. Um, because otherwise, just, you know, otherwise it like sounds sound, like my jokes are terrible. I don't like the sound of my uh, my own laughter. It's such a terrible guffaw. Do, Sam, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Have you heard my laugh? Yes, I like it. It's distinctive. I appreciate that. My laugh is more like. <laughs> so that's why See? I turn my head yeah. away so you guys don't hear it. No, I want to hear it. I want to. We'll put it in in post. We'll We'll put in. We'll put in a hyena. (laughs) 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 All right, here we are. Hi, everyone. We're here for the latest album, Monder, with REM's "Out of Time." Woo-hoo. This is actually back for the 25th anniversary. Right. Uh, they released a whole bunch of unreleased demos and tracks, and this is one of them aptly named Untitled Demo Number 2. Ah, okay. So, <laughs> I get you. Whatever. <laughs> I think it sounds great. There's a lot of good stuff that they released with that. Have you have you dove into that at all on Spotify? I haven't. Okay. As a matter of fact, yeah. this when we d- digging into this album was the first time that I'd listened to it in in what I realized was a really long time. Wow! It, it had been quite a while since I'd listened to this one. Huh? Um, there are reasons for that, but we'll get into it. Later. I oh, okay. cannot wait. Yeah. Um. Here, I just so we can stay consistent. Here it is. Another tape. My cassette tape of out of time. However, with all of my cassette tapes, uh, I replaced the cases. So they don't the have the old shitty cases, yeah. but everything else is original on it. Oh, this is interesting. So uh, on the cassette tapes, you have the time side and the memory side. So instead of A and B showing Sam there, I don't know if you can see that. Which side is the time side? Is that side A? Time side is side A. Side A. Yes. We're going to dive into Out of Time here, and it yeah. should be mentioned that just a couple days ago, it was their 30th anniversary oh my of this album, which is... feels so freaking old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I sent a message to both of you guys, Yeah, and because we've got our little Facebook thing there that we talk about what's coming up and everything, and I say that... I wish that I could say that I had planned this, uh, <laughs> but, right. but I had made the the announcement about this album, and then it was just a few days later Ta-da. that all over, well, at least my Instagram, because yeah. I follow like-minded people and REMHQ, that it, they started talking about the 30th anniversary. But first of all, like I thought it was incredibly cool that I picked it at the same time, but in addition to that... I remember going and buying mm-hmm. the 25th anniversary oh. of it, and it felt like I just did it, like, max <laughs> Not, two years ago. Like, maximum of two years ago. What the hell, time? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, um, and I do have this thing that I want to share. I have this clip, and it is them talking about... So MTV put out a thing, much like the BBC did, a thing of all of their clips of REM, not all of them, but a bunch of them. Okay. And it's called REM by MTV. Did I, did I show you this? I don't think so. Okay. That's well, an- 
Actually, maybe you did. So it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of interviews, but then also performances, and it is yeah. really good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. And we've talked about this. If I could find like just old tapes of MTV broadcasts, yeah, just all the way through, like I would pay for those. That'd be cool. So eBay, hit me up. <laughs> but is that how eBay works? Yeah, you just ask. I don't know. You just go outside your door. <laughs> but and the, the, e- eBay answer. This is <laughs> them talking about the title of the album here goes and all that but we still don't have a name for the record yet so <laughs> what are some of the ideas every record we've ever had the name just it occurs real early and it makes sense because it kind of says what the songs are all about but i think the songs are so nothing links them really either lyrically or musically that, that i don't nobody knows what to call it <laughs> every time that we make a record we put up a, a list and it says name this name this record Mike Mills did this one, and we're on our fourth page. This is the first page featuring such great titles as Imitation Crab Meat. We were thinking of calling it Willful Obscurity. Trolling for Olives. Dignity and a Plum. Love and Squad. Cat Butt. Pomegranate. Those are too literal for us. <laughs> we needed something more oblique. Warner Brothers called us and said, look, you're... The record release is going to be affected. The release date's going to be affected if you don't name this today. So they had all the artwork ready except the actual title. I mean, there was just, just blank on the mock-up. It was like, pick a title that day or else it's just going to be, it'd be like Spinal Tap. You know, how black could it be? This black. Well, there would be no title on the record. And it was like, oh shit, we're out of time. You know, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> so there oh. you are. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Well, and I heard that they also felt that it was really appropriate because they felt like it was out of step or out of time, maybe, with what they had, with what was going on in music at that time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because everything was starting to rev up with alternative music and getting mm-hmm. heavier and louder and thrashier. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we're just going to put out these, you know, songs that have these really, you know, kind of laid back, um, more kind of mellow flourishes. Yeah. And I just, I just think... Like I said, they always kind of marched to the beat of their own drummer and they weren't worried about what anybody else was doing. They weren't worried about writing, you know, hit songs. Yeah. They were just going to put out the kind of music that they wanted to make. So I think they've always been that way. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about the album, I guess we can just jump in and I can tell you why. Maybe I haven't been I haven't listened to it for a while. OK, OK. Breaking um, news. Yeah. No, I mean, when I like when I started when I first listened to this album, this is the first REM album I ever heard. Okay. Uh, it's not the first time I encountered REM. That was the stand video on mm, MTV. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I just thought, oh, this is a silly band that has this goofy little song with a fun little video where people are jumping up and down. And stuff, right. Which you could totally derive from just that video. Untapped. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so then this was uh, when I when I was playing drums. My drum instructor gave me this cassette. He would give me two cassettes every week to take home and wow. listen to and say, just play anything you want, you know, but, but go through it and, you know, listen to all the stuff and, and play whatever you like. And so this was one of the first, this was the first REM album he gave me. And so, you know, I listened through it and, and played it all. But once it broke, I mean, I, I think I got this album when I was maybe, oh, I don't know, 13 or something. Yeah. So, so I got into it, but then, um, I think, you know, once it broke and they got really huge, um, I like some of the stuff. There was some stuff I didn't like, but mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to really summarize is that although it's the first album that I ever had by R.E.M., mm-hmm. it probably, it it's not, 
It's not really one of my favorite REM albums. Okay. Okay. Straight now, up. Now, how I'm going to ask this question again later. Make yeah. sure I, Joe, make sure I ask this question again right, later. I'll, I'll jot it. By the time we get to the end of this album, uh-huh. I want you to tell me how you feel about it now. Because I, I feel, don't tell me yet. I know you want to say it. But I feel like after this listen, you might be thinking, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so well, bad. But we'll get, we'll get there. Don't worry about I, it. Don't I mean, worry. I listened to it like four times this week. <laughs> okay, there good. You go. Nice. Good, nice. good. Well, we are going to get into track. We're going to get into track number one here. So this is on, if for those of you following along like we are with the actual cassette. <laughs> right? Get your cassettes this, out, people. <laughs> Kids, get your cassettes out. Did your, did your drum instructor let you keep the cassette? Like, was that oh, part yeah. of the package deal? Oh, nice. Nice. absolutely. Yeah, That's so awesome. I had to basically buy cassettes to give him little TDK oh, 90 minute sets okay. or, or cassettes. I would give him two every week and then he would return two more to me that I'd already given him the previous week with just Rotated. loaded up with shit. Nice. So yeah, so he was just constantly loading me up with music. So um he was like really an influencer for me and turned me on to like a lot of stuff that awesome. I never would have you know, never saw maybe on MTV or never would have even heard of had it not been for um, for his tastes in, in music and stuff like that. Probably a lot of stuff that just wouldn't have made it to MTV. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, artists that, you know, like just weren't that popular. Um, yeah. He, he got me into like a lot of like Sheila E's stuff that wasn't on wasn't yeah. on MTV and um, a lot of good percussive stuff. But yeah, anyway. Sorry, I didn't mean to like, you know, shoot down the album like right away. I think it's a- <laughs> I, I want to say, I think it's a good album. It's almost, yeah. uh, d- did anybody here pick this album, really this piece good. of shit? Weird. That's, talk that's about. not what I said. That's <laughs> not at all what I said. <laughs> Track number one, radio song. Hey, I can't find nothing on the radio. Uh, Y'all turn to that station. Radio song. Uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of notes here, and some stuff that I that I knew, and some stuff that I didn't know. This was their fourth single to come off the album, so I I looked into because I never looked this up before. Who was the dude at the beginning? So I guess this is KRS One. KRS One. And we would know him from whoop, was- whoop, the sound of the police. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that. Huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, him. Princi- principal member of uh, Boogie Down Productions, the hip-hop yeah. from, the, from the 80s. Yeah. And I just, I never looked into it before. So what are your thoughts on Radio Song, Mr. Barnes? Um, so the opening melody 
where he's like, I turned up the radio. Sounds a lot like um, I took off my shirt at the water's edge. It sounds mm-hmm. like, oh, nice yeah. you know, it does. Uh, so I totally made that correlation as far as the melody. I was just like, oh, that sounds like, yeah, sounds like that. I think what I heard about KRS-One, first of all, is that he was just going to do the hey, hey, hey's with Michael and then ah. kind of got inspired while he was in the studio and ended up writing like his his rap that they put at the end. Oh, of the nice. Song. Yeah. So he wrote it while he was there. Um, the uh, I think I think this song, I don't know. I think this song kind of gets maligned because I think people sort of take it really serious. And I think R.E.M. meant this song to be kind of tongue in cheek. They did. They yeah. absolutely did. And um, he he I I can't remember the exact quote, but Stipe said that he was hoping that people would have a sense of humor about it because R.E.M., they never really wanted (laughs) to make like pop songs. You know, they were just doing their thing. They were they were making their music. And the fact that some of their hits turned out to be big pop songs, you know, and so I think somewhere in there, there was a quote about kind of like taking the piss out of it and, uh, you know, just kind of poking fun at pop songs on the radio. Hey, 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 hey. Say what? Hey, hey, hey. Let me do that with you. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, hey. Joe, what'd you think about radio song? Uh, it kind of started out bleak, and then, but it was set to a tune of like, da, 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 you know, just kind of something fun. So like, you're kind of reading between the lines of it, you know. And that's exactly what we touched on is like yeah. tongue in cheek of like, eh, it's what we're really saying. Yeah. You know? So that was kind of fun. I it's I think it's a fun way to kick off the album. Yeah. When you're listening to the album. Yeah. Is it a song that I'm gonna go to? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. And then if, we go right into the second track. Yeah. The thing is, R.E.M. has such a wide variety of songs and uh, like a huge discography and probably a lot of albums that people don't even know about mm-hmm. that, that came up until like 2011 when they disbanded. Not broke up. Disbanded. disbanded. They were a band. That's important. And they weren't a band. Disbanded. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but I think it's fun. It's a, you know, it's a good upbeat song in as far as the mood of it, I think. You know, yeah. I think it's it's a good way to maybe kick off an album or It is. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a clever way to kick off the album based on all the other tracks that they had for the album. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think I I do think that you could have kicked it off with Losing My Religion though. Well, okay. Yeah. That's the weird part. That's got such a distinctive intro. It, it does. I, I think that you could, you know, with the mandolin, I think you really could have kicked it off with it that one. It does, but that breaks my mixtape rule, Sam. <laughs> you have to kick it off a little bit more upbeat and then, and then bring it down. So you had the message of the first song, and we go straight into this one, which is one of their biggest hits. Yeah. So it's kind of like... A funny contrast. And what's the name of this song, Joe? You uh, losing my religion. Oh my god! <laughs> like you, using my religion. There we go. It's been a day.
the song that shot them to crazy stardom, Sam, Losing My Religion. Yeah. This is the song that broke them. I mean, this was it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. This just made them international Why? superstars. First of all, anybody that doesn't know the song. <laughs> I know. Like, it's, I don't know. It's everywhere. I, yeah, I don't know how you could not know. And at this point in our lives, they play it in grocery stores. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. And yeah. when you think about the subject matter of the song and the mandolin aspect of the song, it's crazy that it is that. Mm -hmm. And which is why, it, first of all, it's crazy that they chose it to be their first single from the album, but they stuck to their guns and that's what it was. So, um, but I found out, it, and not that this means anything, but it only made it to number four mm -hmm. on the Billboard 100. But it's... They would have tried a little harder. Well, it's outlasted <laughs> so many other songs. It has. Um, stood the test of time. Uh, Joe, are you aware of what losing my religion means? Um, I think you told me. I did, most likely. And I probably forgot. Okay. So it's it's basically like losing your, losing your shit or uh, feeling frustrated or like desperate mm -hmm. uh, about something. That makes sense. So... Stipe has said that this song is about like a unrequited love. Uh, that he's in, he's in. This, you re read the same thing, Sam. Mm -hmm. What'd you read about it? Yeah, I mean that uh, basically that he he had said it was. Um, I yeah, it wasn't actually about he was religious and then he decided to lose that. Although uh, a lot of people took it that way. A lot of people did, yeah. yes, and and probably still think that. But, um, yeah, it was about, I mean, these are all love songs. Mm -hmm. yeah. all, all these songs mm -hmm. are, are, are love songs. And, huh. and this one, yeah, it was about unrequited love. And apparently, I thought it was kind of interesting that he revealed that the lyrics were about or were influenced by uh, Every Beth, Breath You Take. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. the uh, the music video, if anybody's seen, the music video got a lot of attention. And oh, he gosh. said that he got... The, the director for the music video from seeing a music video of Suzanne Vega's. Oh, which oh, is cool. kind of interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and then so he got, I, I, I apologize, I don't know the name of the director because I suck at notes. Steven Spielberg. Gabriel <laughs> Garcia Marquez. There it is. Uh, done. Look at you. <clears throat> it was almost Steven Spielberg. Right? I know. It was the second choice. Second choice. Second choice. <laughs> I, I thought too in the video <laughs> that it was interesting that they said they. He wasn't really like doing the dancing that he ultimately did in the video, and yeah. so uh, ultimately Stipe's like, "Well, just let me dance a little bit." And he said he thought the dancing that he did was a mashup of Sinead O'Connor's yeah. moves in her "The Emperor's New Clothes" video yeah. and David Byrne's uh, dancing in "Once in a Lifetime." Yeah, yeah, it's like a classic Talking Head song. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that he was like, "Just let me dance a little bit," and. Uh, Cause that's so iconic now. It is that video. Whenever on MTV, whenever they would have their video music countdowns, it was always near the top of any like, you know, all-time list. It was yeah. always one of the highest. So, obviously, a great song. Yes. Uh, however, I've heard it so much. Right. Like yeah. I, I know it backwards and forwards, but I, I love it when I, when I hear it, and I love to sing along with it in the car. But sometimes when I do go to this album, admittedly, I will skip over it. Mm -hmm. But it, it's kind of like my rule for my favorite movies mm. and stuff. I don't want to ever get burnt out right. on it. Right. And so that's why I kind of tiptoe yeah. around tracks and, you know, uh, like, let me go to this one now. Let me go to this one. Right. And y there are some that I will 
go to that might be surprising when there's another track on the album that most people would say, well, why not listen to this? This one's the best one. Why not listen yeah. to that one? But I, I I like to keep it yeah. kind of fresh. Not quite as fresh as Sam uh-huh. has kept it, not right. listening to uh-huh. the album for years. <laughs> well, that's that, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that yeah. is one of the things that when I was doing some research about this is a common thing that a lot of people said is mm-hmm. that they feel like maybe they've heard this song too many times. Yeah. And, and I which that which really isn't necessarily like, our fault. It's no. the it's the radio's fault. It's Sirius right. XM. Yeah. It's yeah. Sure, because you know, REM seems like a cool band to to play. So you play stuff that people know. And and what's interesting is that I guess, you know, some people were saying, Well, I just heard it so many times when it comes on the radio, I actually turn the station, even though I consider mm. myself an REM fan. Yeah. I've just heard it. So I've just much. heard it enough. That's yeah. interesting that you found and that. I think part of the reason why I kind of stepped away and didn't listen to this album was because of that. Yeah. And, uh, but when I, when I went back and listened to it this past week, I actually was finding myself really appreciating this song again, you know, Excellent. and really liking, yeah, really liking, uh, really liking the song and really kind of like digging it and being like, Oh yeah, this is a good fucking song. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I really, I was really appreciating it. Uh, to listen to it again so awesome yeah, good stuff i found oh, also one more thing stipe recorded this song almost completely naked i just thought i had to point that out i've i've heard yeah. <laughs> i've heard um and we're, we're gonna actually talk about the before we move on to the next track we're gonna talk about this one a little bit longer i found a a quick clip there's clips all over the place and lots of stuff that i would love to use but i'm trying to narrow this down so that we don't have this episode lasts for four hours mm-hmm. because i could talk about rem all day all bonus. day and what's that bonus yeah yeah so i i found this clip of stipe talking about uh, losing my religion it's easy with a voice as emotional as mine it's easy to overdo it and it's easy to allow a, a mediocre lyric or song to feel like more than it is that's cheating your audience and that's cheating yourself ultimately so the performance that I put forward in that isolation booth with those headphones on is very, very important to me. And I want it to be perfect. But perfect is often imperfect. I wanted to know what you thought of that statement, Sam. Oh, boy. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to save this until, until uh, near wild heaven. Okay. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe we should talk about it then. Okay. That's a nice little teaser. Nice little teaser there. Put a pin in it. But I, I appreciated that, that quote, although I understand that it's, I feel like there, there was probably more to that quote because I've heard Stipe talk about his voice a lot over the span of years and, and past interviews and whatnot. And I don't think that he thinks that his vocals are perfect. But with the way that everything turned out, that ending up with what people consider to be a perfect song or close to perfect or a a hit, it's because of his imperfections Mm -hmm. in his voice. And that's what makes it unique. With that, I wanted to play the isolated audio. Have you listened to that, Sam? Never? People should know that Sam shook his head no. <laughs> he couldn't hear him. But Non-verbal. sorry. I, I was drinking coffee. Let's oh, just, that's let's just that's disclosure. All, that's all right. 
Um, so, no. No. <laughs> so, so I wanted to play the isolated audio from Losing My Religion. And if anybody has checked out, uh, what's the name of the thing that we watched on Netflix? It was where they dissect the tracks. Yeah. Uh, I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. but it's on Netflix. And Joe's going to look it up for oh, me. I don't, I don't know about this. this um, you're, I, and I, I'm glad that you haven't heard it yet because I love what I'm about to play. Because I don't know how many episodes, but it had REM. It had like a bunch of other. Yeah, j- just type in um, Losing My Religion. My. Song Exploder. So, song, ex- song Exploder. Exploder. Um, a lot of the episodes I don't give a shit about, but once I found out that they got REM on there, I was super excited because it was brand new interviews with the band and they kind of dive into the song and what it's all about. And I had heard this before, but it was nice that they included it in the episode. Right. Listening to Stipe and his vocals alone, I understand that his voice isn't isn't perfect, but... It's so personal. like, And I'm sure a lot of vocals by itself are that way, but the emotion in his voice, I just, um, I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I want to listen to a lot necessarily, this clip, but <clears throat> it it gives me a great amount of respect for what happens in the recording booth mm-hmm. and what he has to go through in order to create bring it these out. songs and bring yeah. it to life. So I'm going to play that for you now, Sam. Oh, life is bigger. It's bigger than you and you are not me. The links that I will go to, the distance in your eyes. Oh no, I've said too much I set it up That's me in the corner That's me in the spot Light losing my religion Trying to keep up with you And I don't know if I can do it Oh no, I've said too much I haven't said enough I thought that I heard you laughing What do you think about that? That's cool, yeah Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love, no I love that if you're quiet enough You can actually hear the music that he's hearing oh, like, yeah. like through his headphones or yeah. however that works out mm-hmm. uh, But that's, yeah. I, I love listening to that yeah it's so cool cool. and and within there they actually play other parts of the song in that song exploder episode for the band and actually bill barry is in the episode and like he's at one point in the song they're hearing there's a cool moment where you can hear um hand claps in the song and he forgot that they were in there and you watch him be like Oh yeah, <laughs> I, had, I didn't even know that those were there. But we have many more tracks, many more to get to. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go on to the next track, and uh, here we go. This is low. 
about low well it kind of has the same pace as losing my religion okay and i think butting it up next to it kind of has that almost same. like it's an extension of it yeah is that how you feel a little bit yeah sam I don't know. it sounds like something that jim morrison would sing oh mm. good call yeah you know like i feel like i could hear jim morrison oh, which is interesting oh, no. because Sing. i can't stand <laughs> jim morrison <laughs> yeah um i mean yeah, I, I like some Doors stuff. Yeah. Um, but it definitely sounds like... I, I mean, I feel like when it's just kind of got that haunting... It's got the organ in the background, you yeah. know, like the Doors would. No. And, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I just feel like it's got that kind of haunting vibe that that, uh, that Jim Morrison would be singing over. Yeah. Uh, I like... One of the things I really dig is in the very first verse, I think, it's that kind of non-perfection in how he sings it. You know, he says, yeah. how ling at the moon like he doesn't try to make it he doesn't try to make it like a whole you know like a whole complete word he's like i'm okay with putting a break in the middle of a word yeah. while i'm singing it i just he, th- thought that was a neat little like detail stipe did get more brave as the albums went on as far as trying new things especially like um, when you think about the track tongue in monster yeah and that's one of the things that i loved and i know we're not talking about monster but um, when they re-released Monster, if you go back onto Spotify or if you buy the album, whatever, listen to the blue, uh, the blue covered album because when they went back in, went went back in, and had the producer remix it, they they dialed up the vocals on a lot of the songs and brought down a lot of the, like in certain songs like distorted guitar and all that, and you get to hear Stipe more clearly, especially in the song Let Me In. The one about Cobain? Yeah. So good. Here, let's fade back up here. this part of the song that makes it so I'll listen to it when I am going through the album because I love singing this part. It's just so good. I feel like what do you think of when you hear the term creating art within music when it comes to certain bands? What does that make you think of? Like as opposed to just, and I understand all music can be art, but you know, really creating something that yeah. that means something to people or has a certain feel to it and actually experimenting on things. And obviously, you know where I'm going with this, yeah. because if if 
ever there was a band that brought that expression to life, I feel like it is these guys. Yeah, I I, I think they are definitely one of the best bands at doing at doing that. Uh, yeah. And I think there's prime examples of it on this album because there are just, um, you know, some sort of songs that are just existing with, you know, sort of ambient sound or just existing as songs that aren't necessarily meant to have uh, words alongside them, as yeah. we'll find out. Um, so I think it's <laughs> I think that they just basically they're creating music and they're putting it on there and they're challenging themselves and they're not trying to hold themselves to any sort of standards that the majority I think of pop bands are. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's probably a challenge if you are someone that is, has to bend to like a, you know, a record company's demands and things like that. But I think REM at this point and, and really up until this point had never, Probably didn't ever feel like they had to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this is this is such a this is such a great like addition to this album. This is low is a really great. Uh, it's it, just a really great uh, a really great song, and I like that it came. I like the point in the album that it comes mm -hmm. right after sort of the the kind of more upbeat and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and kind of, a, uh, I mean, it came from the upbeat radio song, which is like we said, tongue in cheek. And then losing my religion is this, you know, much more emotionally kind of heavier song. Yeah. Um, but still, but still kind of, you know, still kind of upbeat. And it's got that kind of poppy jangle pop sound, of course, right. that R.E.M. is kind of known for. Yeah. Joe, could you tell us the name of the next track? The next track is Near Wild Heaven. Mr. Vaughn, Yo. as you are not a crazy big R.E.M. fan, what was the first thing that you noticed about this? Well, first off, um, it honestly, okay, so on the whole, as far as the album goes, yeah, I was thinking like, you can't really put them in a box because, you know, they're just like what Sam was saying. You just, they're throwing out music left and right. I'm just like, eh, is this going to work? Mm -hmm. eh, is this going to work? And listening to the whole album like part of me was like did they get any inspiration from anyone in the 60s because some of it just seemed kind of flowery yeah and kind of like what you know uh, the the answer to that is yes <laughs> okay. definitely because they've done they've actually done some covers that you probably wouldn't have heard okay yet of 60s songs because so. i was thinking of their ages now and I'm like okay that that would add up to mm -hmm. around them growing up and so, uh, okay so but it's and 
what's interesting is that you especially wouldn't have heard that sound necessarily in the earlier years because they had such a different sound mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. But over time, maybe they just became a little bit more reminiscent about those times because it trickled in mm -hmm. some songs yeah. like that. So a few songs in the mix here kind of have that flowery, like, yeah, all right. You know, just yeah. Kinda, but yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool. Oh, I like this part. Yeah, I dig that. Mr. Barnes. Mike Mills on lead vocals. I love it. I love Mike. it. Shout out to Mike. Um, they they got they got Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott had Mike Mills on oh, their thing. podcast on Are You Talking REM Remi, which is a yeah. ridiculous title. <laughs> but did yeah. you ever listen to that episode? I did not. Well, if you were to listen to that episode, you would hear my name being said in the episode. That's right. Because I sent the guys something and they actually received it. And so, all right. There's a whole thing here that I have to sum up real quick. Joe and myself went to see the band Arthur Buck. That's right. Up in Minneapolis yeah, before the world ended. Mm -hmm. yep. And so it was Joseph Arthur and Peter Buck. That's right. Now, obviously, there's other people in the band, but nobody cared about them. But they had a really cool girl drummer. You don't see girl drummers very often. Mm -mm. Uh, she was rocking it and mm -hmm. had like crazy a crazy hat on. Like yeah. it was a big hat. Neon trees. Yeah, funny it's hat. A big hat. Nah. <laughs> funny hat. Funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, we went and saw went and saw them. And uh, where was I so, going with this? Well, some of the details with it was cool. Um, it, and it was at Seventh Street Entry. Yeah, Seventh Street Entry. Seventh Street Entry. So the name of the main club yep. is First Avenue. That's right. And they have the Seventh Street Entry. Yep. Tiny bar. Cool. It's a stage and a bar. And then we get up pretty close, and you see all of the band equipment, and one of the crates actually has spray painted on the side REM on it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my god, they must have divvied up all their stuff or whatever. But it's like. Who knows where that was? You know, like traveling around the world, right. and so we got a picture of it. It was it was fun. It was cool. yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then we got to meet him at uh, Peter Buck after afterwards. Yeah, no, that was what was I saying at the beginning? I totally forgot, lost track of where I was well, going with. You were this. talking about the band Arthur Buck. Oh yeah. Um, oh no no no! I know where I was going now. So I got to I I I made sure that once we found out that that was happening. It was like an opportunity to meet somebody from REM. And I didn't really know what to expect. And kind of going back to a conversation we had in our uh, actual episode mm -hmm. of, uh, of Opposite of Important. I almost said we got another whatever. Ah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's my, I don't know what year it is. <laughs> um, old podcast. Anyway, I, I didn't really know what to expect. But he was incredibly cool. And he was so nice to everyone. So this club is tiny, like super tiny. And uh, this was actually shortly after I had gotten my REM tattoo. That's right. Because Joe was like, "You're gonna show him your tattoo." I like. I didn't and I'm like, like, I'm not showing. Like, I'm not showing him anything. Okay. Like I'm not. No. <laughs> like, if if you're you know don't wear the t-shirt of the band you're going to see. Right. That's the <laughs> that's the thing. But we got to meet him after the show. 
and I bought a poster and bought the vinyl. Yeah. And so he signed the poster. And while I was up there talking to him, he said, hey, if you want to open the vinyl, I'll sign that for you, too. I'm like, okay. And like, all cool. right. You know, Very cool. to, yeah, to, to sign a second thing. That's incredibly cool. Yeah. So I I believe that this is where I was going with the story because we started talking about something else and I completely lost where I was going. <laughs> but uh, besides him, I you know, I didn't know if I would have the opportunity to to meet anybody else. But I'm such a big fan of the band and I had some downtime and I was listening to a lot of their music. And maybe this was about the time that that R.E.M. by BBC or whatever the title is came out. And I was just feeling like I should share something. And as silly as it sounds, I wrote a letter to REM headquarters. And I know that a lot of the people there, it's a tight group. A lot of the people there have been with them for a long time. And I know that occasionally the band stops in. This is prior to me going to Athens mm. on my way back from Florida. We took a tiny detour. Right. It wasn't much of a detour, which was nice, but but it was like an hour out of the way. But mm. when you're already driving 20 plus hours, who gives who a cares? shit? <laughs> yeah. So I sent this letter just saying kind of, and it was funny because when I was writing it, I realized how long it had been since I had written a letter. Oh, yeah. And you it had like it had been, a, I mean, you know, I, I write notes about like comedy notes and all of that. And I, I write some other stuff here and there, but I've never written a letter. And so much so, it was so obvious because I got like a paragraph into it and it wasn't super long. It was like a page, whatever. But like my hand started to hurt <laughs> because I'm saying so, your hand, yeah, your hand it, was cramping. It, yeah. And I'm, I didn't, you know, at first I was just mad because I thought I was old. And then I realized I just don't work these you're, muscles you're anymore. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. If you're left-handed, you would get the smear on the bottom. Oh yeah. Oh. That's when you, when you get the lazy lefties. Uh, yeah. Yep, that's me. that's uh-huh. funny. I, so I sent this letter and I continued living my life and it said a lot of nice things in there. And, and then we went to Florida, did our family trip, stopped by in Athens, went to like Wuck Street Records uh, there and the record store that a lot of the band would go to. And apparently Peter Buck comes in occasionally and any REM records that are in there, he'll just sign them, which is incredibly cool. cool. And later on, I ended up uh, reaching out to them during the the heart of the uh, the worst part of the pandemic because they were trying to stay in business and everything and trying to do online sales and I said I know you get this question a lot but do you happen to have anything from REM and he said well I have this record of uh, fables and I believe it's signed by everybody Ooh. in the band and you know there's a chance that something's not real but. The fact that it's located, like somebody from Athens brought it in to sell it. Oh, cool. And so it was him and then his boss, who who I had actually met and talked to while we were visiting. He said, we looked it over and we're pretty sure this is authentic. Now, obviously, they're not sending it somewhere to check it out, but but they've seen their signatures over the years and they're like, this checks out. And I said, all right, um, I don't have a lot of money. But uh, uh, tell me how much this is going to be. And he said, I don't know. Like, we could probably do like 75 bucks. So give it. 
Yes. <laughs> Give it right away. I'm like, what? <laughs> send it, send it to me immediately. Wow. And then he was super cool and like even tossed in shipping for free. Yes. And oh, they cool. these guys at the shop ended up remembering me from when I was there because I I left a nice Instagram post, took some pictures yeah. from in there and kind of, you know, it's not great publicity for them because everybody I know is around here, but you know, just kind of sharing my story about yeah. them and and uh, it was really cool. But anyway, I had that experience. That was a major digression. I'm sorry. But then I came back home, and about a week later, I ended up getting a postcard in the mail. Right there. And I've got it. I've got it here. And I know I s- sent it a picture of it to both of you guys. But it's it's an official postcard that the band had as uh, part of their fan club. And uh, I don't know if it has a date on here or not. But yeah, uh, fan club, P.O. Box 8032, Athens, Georgia. And it's from Mike Mills, who just sang the song that we listened to. And I will read it to you now. This showed up, uh, well, it was postmarked November 7th, 2019. It says, Dear Lance, hello from Athens. I'm glad to hear the enjoyment you've received from our music and hope to have many more years of listening fun to come. All the best, Mike Mills. And he addressed it and everything. I know you've seen the picture, but I'll share it with you again. Very cool. Uh, Bill Barry, is he in the photo? He is in the photo. Oh, good. Yeah, he's over here. Now, if you look at the picture, there's Stipe in the middle, kind of blurry, but then you can see uh, Barry's there. And then Mike oh, Mills yeah. is kind of crouched down, and then Peter oh, yeah. Buck's okay. standing up. Fun detail. There. I like how they used an Elvis stamp to send yes. it out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, and I love it more than one of my children. Okay. I'm not going to say which Ooh. one. All right. Mm. <laughs> Here we go. Place your bets. Place your I'm bets. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And I then, kid. Um, so, but, yeah. Then there was a... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. I was just going to say the only downside is that... The United States Postal Service sucks ass, and like it got really beat up in the mail, but it's all right. I put it in this little glass yeah. frame that kind of keeps it nice and tight. So yeah. So uh, then you did something with cool podcasts. Of oh yeah 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 the the podcast thing. I I sent them. Uh, that is where I was going. God, I don't know we how to talk. We got there. We're here. How am I a host of a fucking podcast? <laughs> yeah, you got two backups. But yeah, so so Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott had this podcast, and I sent in a uh, a mixtape that I made for me. That's right. Yeah, uh, I made it for me. But I just I when I was making these mixtapes, I just had some downtime, and I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. A lot of people probably think it's cheesy and whatever, but I was making stuff that I wanted to listen to. And, you know, someday, hopefully not anytime soon, I'll be dead and my kids will be able to go through some of my stuff and find these tapes that I made. And so there's one that I made. I spent a lot of like way too much time on the album art and whatever to make an actual like J card for it. Uh, kids, a J card is something that you would put in around a cassette in a case. And so I made this thing called R.E.M. and I titled it Progression. And it's kind of like B-side songs, not all B-sides, but a lot of them. And then it ends with two live versions, Mm -hmm. but it goes in order of their album releases. So it's kind of like a greatest hits, but for me, Mm -hmm. like the stuff that I I was digging. So I made an extra one and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Actually, I made two extra ones. 
our um, mutual friend, a uh, younger guy that we know, Sam Cerna, yeah, actually found out about it and he wanted a copy. So I don't know what he, I don't know what he, yeah. if he actually listened to it or not. Yeah. But, but he took one, I have one, and so I took the third one and I sent it in to these guys. And there's, I know where I was going with this now. I just figured it out. There was a kid at the concert. <laughs> God, I suck at this. There was a kid at the concert that went to college there at the at in Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. And he was talking we were talking about like the podcast and everything. And so I knew that he listened to it and we got to talk about some of that stuff and and so we exchanged like Instagram stuff. And so he sent me a message. I hadn't heard the thing yet, but since he had me as a friend on there, he was like, "Hey, uh have you listened to the latest episode yet?" And I'm like, "No." And he's like, "They like totally said your name like what in the episode <laughs> and he, he said it was very brief but it's right before they introduced mike mills oh whoa yeah like, so it was it was neat but they had just they had gotten my it. package yeah. in the mail and said a nice thank you to me and it was cool oh, man yeah you had the audio clip i'm sorry that to took 25 minutes uh, but hey we to got get there, there. <laughs> But nobody comes here for short podcasts, right? right? This is this is the bonus information yeah. I was talking about. I know good. this is this is the good stuff. This, this is, is the inside yeah. stuff that people come album come dive to, to hear. Yeah. yeah, it's an album Absolutely. dive. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move on to. Hold the... on. Oh. Oh yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to say that. No. Oh, what are we holding? Do it. Well. I'll... No, uh, I'm sorry. We're moving on to what? Endgame. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's well, right. we, and here's the thing. We can talk over Endgame because, oh. you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So just like the movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we'll talk over that. Yes. Well, you had three hours. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so Endgame is an instrumental-ish. Yeah. yeah. This would be really confusing at the end of a Marvel movie. <laughs> I mean, I think it would have worked. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, it kind of would. I mean, actually. it's a little somber, you know? Right at they the end. It could have been at the Cap, funeral. When uh, Cap's dancing, maybe. Oh, you know? yeah. Like it. It's a pretty <laughs> melody, and, you know. I was going just, I was going with uh, the funeral of Tony Stark. There you go. Spoilers. Oh, whoa, hey. No, okay. Okay. you got to wait another um, year before you talk about it. That's the real end game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you going to say, Sam? Uh, well, regarding Endgame, I'll just say I think it's a pretty melody, and it is. I'm glad that it kind of is one of those pieces of music that just kind of is, exists as like an interlude on the album. I really like, I really like that, you know, and that it's yeah. not there's no chorus; it's just like you know phonetics basically for the yeah. chorus. I think that's I think it's it's uh, totally cool that they weren't like, well, we got to pack in another single here. You know, yeah. it's like, there's like, we, we wrote this, we're going to put it on the album. I think they were good at that. Yeah. And, um, uh, new Orleans instrumental number. Tell me. No uh, number. Uh, uh, this is terrible. God, I'm a number terrible one. REM. Number one. Was it number one? Um, I was going to say five for some, but that's love potion. That's Mambo number five. <laughs> that's that's love potion. Number nine, nine, nine. and Mambo number five. Uh, I just, I retire I from podcast hosting. Oh, uh, this is my announcement. No, they're just really good at that. And it's cool because like, I don't know if you saw the movie baby driver. It was a really, oh. really well done movie with a fantastic sound. Have you I not seen to. it, Sam? I did. I didn't see it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get it to you. Uh, I have it. Oh, do you? Nice. Yeah, because you put it on the the uh, hard yeah. drive. You put it on the hard that, drive that you want. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So that song ended up like on that soundtrack. 
yeah. and it just worked perfect because and it's instrumental and i i think a lot of the times that they went out on a limb to do something like that it really worked out for the better now we talked about adam scott and scott ackerman yeah. and their podcast which was great and they would dive into all the rem stuff but they are comedians. Yep. And like the first half of every episode was just total bullshit. <laughs> so if anybody wants to listen to it, it's really cool. But just be prepared that you've got to fast forward to about halfway through if you actually want to talk about REM. Scott was saying, uh, Scott Ackerman was saying that he didn't think that these things, that like tracks like this, were songs. And it was like offensive to Adam Scott. Mm -hmm. And he was like, why is this not a song? And he's just like, I don't know. It's just, I just don't, I don't feel like this is an actual like track or, you know, what it, because it's like, is it because they're not singing or what? It, I should find the conversation because it's been years since I've actually heard this conversation, but yeah. um, it made me think about it. And I 100% disagree mm -hmm. with him because it's just because there's no singing and, and some of them may be short it doesn't really matter because it's about them putting it together and how it feels. And I unequivocally believe that this is a song. Like, yeah, it totally and I, I just didn't get where he was going. But I was curious about your guys' opinion on that as we wrap up the time side the time of my cassette. Yeah, it doesn't have to have it doesn't have to have you know vocal a, a sung vocal part to be a song. Obviously, I yeah. mean you know think about all the stuff from the the big band era. Yeah, uh, where it was just you know like an orchestra playing or or any sort of classical music, those are songs, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe more. Uh, you know, uh, a better way of saying it was they were pieces of music. But mm -hmm. I think Endgame is a song. It's got a melody. The the melody's played by the guitar or yeah, yeah. Um, and you get delicate. They're using for you, know, you get to hear yeah. the guys sing. You know, it's not words necessarily, yeah. but they yeah. are singing. Uh, yeah. They're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the end of the time side. So right. we're gonna take a break. The end of time. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Hey, everyone. This is it. <laughs> that was quite the break Boom. that we had here. Uh there's no proper way to introduce what might be one of the greatest songs of all time. Here we are. <laughs> Shiny right. happy people, ladies and gentlemen. Are you guys ready to dance? Yep. It's very waltzy. It is at the beginning, for sure. I don't know what the timing is for waltzy. Boom. Crank it up. Get into 
I don't care what you say. I love it. Yeah, this reminds me of like uh, Woodstock or something. Um, I'm going to, we're going to get into it. Okay. But <laughs> I want to read this quote from Michael Stipe that he said in 2016. It says that, uh, this isn't the quote yet, but it says, R.E.M. was ambivalent about being known for a pop song that lacked gravitas. Singer Michael Stipe said in 2016, it's a fruity pop song written for children. If there was one song that was sent into outer space to represent R.E.M. for the rest of time, I would not want it to be shiny, happy people. (laughs) Off the wall, a little bit different. Oh, I love it so much. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about yep. with this song. I'm going to let Sam go first because I'm sure you did your due diligence. It's got to be like one of the most divisive, if not the most divisive song <laughs> amongst the fan base, right? Okay. Yes. Because some people are like totally loving this, this song. This is too and other happy. People are like, this is too why happy. the shit did they do this? Yeah. 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 It, it is. It's too happy. Right? <laughs> like, it's funny. <laughs> Bill Berry in one of his quotes said, Think what you will about this powerful God rock anthem of yore, but at least we managed to conceive a song that starts out as a waltz, Joe. Yeah. And, and closes with the lyric dit more than 140 times in succession. This song was also the original Friends theme. Yes. Oh. For, the, for the unaired pilot. Wow. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. and I'm not sure what got them to change it. Do you do you know that? Be like, Back I, in the day, I, I Sam and I used to do trivia stuff at the bar, right. and this was one of the oh, things yeah, that right. we stumbled yeah. across. Yeah, yeah, and, and, like, and I, yeah, I don't know, but I think maybe this. they just thought it was too a little too sunny, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe. But this <laughs> is one that, song. That makes sense. Yeah, this song really highlights though the like the additional vocals i mean mike mills put as a prominent vocalist on this album and yeah. um uh it's got him and then kate pearson who we haven't even mentioned oh right. we're gonna um, so you got a appear, female appears voice on this album yeah and she's like fantastic on this song oh my I mean, god i love her love, so much yeah i love all of her so kate pearson of, of the b-52s right yeah what word do you use she just has a remarkable voice <sighs> It's, it is powerful. It's so uh, powerful. And like she, don't get me wrong, like everybody in the B-52s brings their own thing. Yeah. But good God, like <laughs> her voice is just so identifiable. And uh, Sam and I, what was that, 2019, 2018 that we got to see the B-52s? That's yeah. right. With, uh, uh, I think it's 2019, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, up might in have been. Minnesota. God. Yeah. With uh, Boy George. So yeah. That's right. Because that <laughs> yeah. was the whole... Culture Club. That was the yeah. whole thing. They opened for Boy it's, George. I didn't get it. They should have been the, the headliner. Right. I just... I don't understand. That's like fucking... Who, who is it supposed to Beach Boys and Hanson yes. are coming to Iowa the State. Iowa State <laughs> Fair. Hanson's yeah. opening can you, for Beach Can you think Boys. of two more different... Yeah, acts. You're to gonna have, have like 30 year olds and 75 year olds. <laughs> I don't Van understand. Van Halen anyway. used to have uh, Cool and the Gang open for them. But oh that, my uh, God. that's a little more like so that's kind of together. It is weird, but like it's not like you're having 30 year olds and 75. Like I just the mm, age range. But well, yeah. the Beach Boys have to be the closer, right? I mean, they have. Yes, to. Yeah. they. I mean, they've I, made they've made legendary albums. I believe so. But here's the songs. thing: it's not even really the Beach Boys. Like there's no, no Brian Wilson. Oh no 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 no. So it's, it's, it's like sticks too. It was like, it's like a half cover band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, but it's a I, cover. I it's a it cover up, band but... with an official seal of approval. Yes. Is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yes. That's... It's, it's all. It's all about the almighty dollar at this point. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, no and and they're capitalizing on everybody's nostalgia. But well, yeah. No, let me I, ask you this. Uh, just side question, because this has nothing to do with anything. But do you think Brian Wilson still makes money off of the Beach Boys, even though he's not touring with them? Oh, is absolutely. He... Residuals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Probably. Oh my God. You know what a life. I've just <laughs> like, can you imagine? Playing, yeah, they're predominantly playing songs that he wrote. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So he owns something about it. Yeah. He's, yeah, but I'm not going to be there. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's yeah, fine. Um, so with this being the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. of this album, there was a lot of stuff going around. Not quite so much as the 25th anniversary because that's when they re-released the record Mm -hmm. with bonus tracks and all of that and putting out the vinyl again and all that, which is incredibly cool because they were out doing a lot of press, especially Stipe and Mills. Mm -hmm. And I I ate all of it up. I was so excited. But this time around, people were talking to Kate Pearson about it because uh, she's got a a presence on Instagram now and she was Uh doing some live stuff and answering questions. Now, I'm not sure if this is a older interview or if this is one that came out of that but i found this interview where there was an article in vulture that she talked about it but it was all print and uh print does not work on a podcast so i did a little more digging and i found this clip of her talking about doing this recording with rem so here goes and I don't know why that reminds me yeah. of, of one, of, one of my things I was really impressed about, too, is you've done a lot of collaborations over the years. You know, first you you uh, collaborated with the Ramones, Iggy Pop. And one of my favorites is with R.E.M., you uh, worked with them on their Out of Time album. And one of my favorite songs that you did with them is Shiny Happy People. And I was just wondering, tell me more about how that developed. Well, we've been friends with them. We went to one of their very first concerts in Athens, and we were, you know, fan friends and since then, uh, and we've always kind of run a kind of parallel trajectory mm-hmm. <laughs> in our careers. And I remember we were at Radio City, and I was going downstairs. I, I can't remember if it was our concert or REM. I think we played, and REM was there. But I was going down the stairs at Radio City, and Michael said was coming up the stairs. We passed each other on the stairway, and he said, oh, will you sing on our new record? And I was like, yeah. Okay. So they just wow. sent couple of tracks to me and they said do whatever you want i went to the studio we were at prince's studio and it was winter time and and uh michael and i had a snowball fight it was really fun (laughs) and they just let me do my thing on it and shiny happy people were just like do harmony do whatever you want and they just like didn't try to control anything it was just a really great experience and um it's one of my favorite songs i love the video Oh, I do too. I think it's great song, great video, great, great message. And speaking of doing your own thing. I thought that that was really cool. So in yeah. the article that I read, it went into a lot more detail that uh, about them passing on the stairs. And he was like, hey, do you want to sing on our stuff? And of course. Like, okay. <laughs> but then I, it was reading that article that I had discovered. And I thought it was incredibly cool that they recorded it at Paisley Park. Yeah. I and like, I didn't, what? I didn't know that right up yeah. the road from us well, three hours. Well, and I, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that they recorded a lot of it there, but I thought they at least mixed the album there. Mm. So yeah, I don't know if they had recorded their parts there, but like she, and I think she went into a little bit more detail in the, yeah. the article that I read 
that they had finished recording everything and they basically just let her go into the studio and do her thing. Yeah. And which she kind of alluded to, but it was a yeah. weird phone interview. So it was kind of hard to understand. Also, I didn't play that song in the background. And had I produced that segment, right. I wouldn't have done that because that was incredibly way too loud I mean, for, like how... <laughs> over the interview. Right. So bad job, whoever that was. But how cool was that, that they're just like giving her carte blanche and just yeah. like do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, we were thinking maybe if you had vocals here. Yeah. It's just like. And uh, it, it just might so happened that there might be another track or so later in the album right. where she might show up again. And that reminded of me background. of, uh, that reminded me of concrete and gold Foo fighters. Yeah. Because, uh, Dave Grohl has been out on, you know, he's, he's pretty open for interviews mm-hmm. and he was saying like for the actual track concrete and gold, like, or like, well, there, there's that one, but uh, there's a few other tracks in there that there's other f- people that weren't credited, you know. So he's in the studio, and then like there's another room where there's another studio, yeah. and then like ju- he met Justin Timberlake and Pat. He's like, hey, oh yeah, you want to record with us? Yeah, sure. That's great. And then like another day goes by, and then there's another guy from like Boys to Men. He's like, you want to be on the album? We need some background vocals. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. And then they just like, <laughs> so it's Sweet. kind of that same thing where you just you're lucky that you're just around, and then yeah. here you're just walking. The halls of Radio City Music. Well, Hall. it like, also <laughs> helps when you are the Foo Fighters. Oh yeah, because if we were in there recording an album, right, and we went up to Justin Timberlake, like, hey dude, hey, want to get down on this? No, uh, sorry, I've got a patterns. thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Uh, well, right. I guess anything else about Shiny Happy People? Um, okay, it kind of reminded me a bit of like Woodstock, where okay. it was like Meet Me in the Clouds, like you're smoking something, yeah, and then it was like flowery and just like mm-hmm. I, that's kind of what i envisioned i guess of mm-hmm. just kind of all right yeah you're shiny because maybe you're sweaty i don't know it's like i don't know why are you shiny I don't know. it's just like I don't know, a personality maybe. you are definitely <laughs> taking and, it a different direction yeah. than i did oh, yeah. but you're, yes you're dancing and frolicking and yeah. you're sweating a lot yeah <laughs> also everyone should be well aware that there is a sesame street version of this song called <laughs> Um, is it furry happy monsters? Okay, I think it might be. Or yes. ha- uh, is that what it was? Yes. Yes. Nice furry happy monsters. Oh my god! <laughs> furry happy. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, well, I mean, we have to play it. All right, let's do it. Flashing a big smile. That's a perfect sign. That they're feeling fine. Well, would you rather would you rather listen to Shiny Happy People or Furry Happy Monsters? Well, the the visual is what it's really uh, all well, about in Furry Happy Monsters because it's Michael Stipe locking eyes with the two headed Muppet, oh, yeah. and it, you know it it sells it. <laughs> it really sells it, and Mike Mills yeah. seems very happy uh, in it. Oh, before I forget, I need to talk to you about this. Wait. Do I need to talk to you about that? Maybe I already sent you a thing. I knew that I wanted to send you a thing, but maybe I haven't done it yet. There was a 25th anniversary video for Bad Hair Day with Weird Al. 
Um, well, Weird Al wasn't in the video, but it was uh, two dudes from Portugal, the man, and uh, the the lead singer, forget his name, I'm sorry, of Presidents of the United States of uh-huh. America, the lead singer of Richard S- Nixon. Yeah, yep. there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um, the lead singer of Soul Asylum, Dave something. David Perner. There you go. And then Mike Mills <laughs> on a four-way Zoom call talking about Weird Al and being featured or parodied and on oh, Bad Hair Day. Yes. And um, it's like an hour long, and I fucking loved it. Oh, that'd be great. And I need to- it was just so much fun to hear their stories about being approached, Weird Al. maybe. And yeah. Like, yeah. And so somebody had put them together, and then Al found out about it, and then like had a nice message for them that he, that he sent that they read Man. on there. And uh, I'm, I'm going to send you the link because yeah, yeah, it's so cool. much fun yeah. to watch. I, I got home from the bar on Friday, so I didn't have the time suck that was the daylight savings. And thank you. And <laughs> I, I did the airplay to my TV and I watched the whole fucking thing and it was so much fun. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was uh, cool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we are moving on to Belong. Belong. Tell me about Belong, Mr. Barnes. This is another, I think, really just, you know, beautiful, like, melody. Yeah. With just uh, basically spoken word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, No singing except for the chorus, which is, once again, just kind of like this phonetic sound. Yeah. Um, But it's really, like, I just think it's really pretty. Mm -hmm. And and it's like a nice piece of music that fits in with uh, with the album. I really dig the bass and drum intro. Yeah, you know that it's just the bass boom. at the beginning, and boom, the boom. drums kind of kick in, yeah. and then you know it all starts to come together. Um, yeah, I like Belong. I think it it just fits in it, as yeah, like a, a really solid song. album track. Yeah, yeah. I believe that this is another one of those that was questioned whether or not it was in fact a song. Right. Uh, Mills sounds awesome mm-hmm. in it. Uh, that was another thing in that in that podcast that I was briefly mentioned in. They got Mike Mills to admit and say that within a certain amount of time, he was going to release an album. And I think that that was the plan, but then got caught up and stuff. And then it was brought up again in the press of um, Monster, Uh the anniversary of Monster. And uh, it hadn't happened yet. Obviously, if it had happened, we would know about it. Right. But I'm excited for when that happens. However, if you're all making music... And you all still love making music. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but maybe just bring the band back together just one more time. I didn't, God, I didn't get to see you in concert. I, right? uh, that's one of my like biggest regrets. And, you know, it's cool to be able to watch things on TV, mm-hmm. you know, old concerts, old videos or what. It's 
probably a great way to relay the experience, especially with the right sound and the great picture. But nothing's the same as being there. No. You know? Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What'd you think of Belong? Belong was cool. Like, uh, it, like I was driving my car listening to the album, and it was just like you couldn't help but to just kind of go, ah, and just oh, right. match it, you know? Uh, it's a fun one to sing yeah, along to. Yeah. And there's no, you don't have to know the words. Yeah, you just kind of, ah, Nobody and, sings along to what Stipe's saying. Right. Although and I think this is one of those chill songs where, yeah. like, I was sitting on the couch and just kind of like, uh, just feeling the music, you know. Yeah, you didn't have to pay attention to words. You were stoned, weren't you? Uh, a few minutes ago, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> when you were on the couch. Oh, you were talking about yeah, that couch over here. Yeah, yeah. Where you almost fell asleep. Where, yeah. yeah, I just needed it. Anyway. Sorry, <laughs> I thought you were talking about listening to it at home or oh, something. Oh, no, right. Well, uh, this might be the first time we do this in this entire album. We're just gonna go straight into the next song. Okay, here we so, go. But I, I dig this track. I think it's, I think it's fun. Yeah. Here, we'll fade back up. Half a world away is the next one. Ah, yes it is. Track number eight. I would rather not fade down, but we do need to talk. Right. Otherwise, we're just playing the album. Right. <laughs> if you would have caught me, let's say, two years ago, listening to this album, this was my favorite song. Okay. I love singing along with it. Yeah. I love the melody. I love everything about it. It's kind of bluegrassy. A little bit. So this kind of breaks the mold with, like, again, like, they just threw out music. Yeah. So it's just different. Just a hot, like, I mean, like... I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with the next song and like number 10, like are just totally way different too. Oh yeah. So, you know, anyway, but yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you got Barnes? They, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Oh, air high five through yeah. the internet. There it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Half, half world away. Great, great tune. And, um, I think, I don't know, maybe you'll disagree, but I think it's the most REM sounding song on the album. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, I guess when I just, when I think about REM, I just feel like this is one of those songs where I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely REM. Like when I hear it, you know, yeah. it just, that's just, I guess my, my interpretation of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of to your point, Joe, you know, they were really experimenting with a lot of different instruments 
There was a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of instrumental variety on here. Like they yeah. used violin and Banjo. cello and yeah, you're hearing and, it all. Uh, pe- pedal steel guitar on a couple of songs which are coming up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they were they were just they were experimenting. They were getting out of their comfort zone on this album big time. Yeah, you know, really just doing a lot of different uh, a lot of different stuff for them, and uh, I I applaud them for it. Yeah, that's great. All right, so we're going to move on to... We're doing this in real time, people. This is crazy. <laughs> Did we run out of things to talk about? Right? <laughs> Number nine, Texarkana. Texarkana. Mr. Mills back. Yeah. That's a couple times on an album. That doesn't happen right. a lot. Hmm. Thoughts about Texarkana? What's the origin of the title? The origin of it? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, where'd they come from? I don't even know. Maybe it's a, it's about the... the I, I don't know the specific answer oh, okay. to this. I don't know if Sam knows sure. this. That's my but, first thought. I'm like, but, it's such an I mean, it's got that it's got that feel of, to it, yeah. so I don't know if it's something that you know, obviously, it's a location, right? Referring to Texarkana, but I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, however, just I, a different. I can tell you that the title of the song makes me want to hate it, but I like singing <laughs> yeah, along with this it. This is a pretty good one. But to have a song that I like be called Texarkana, like, divides me on the inside. Like, it's just hard consonants yes i think maybe they i think maybe they just wrote they didn't know what to call it and i think they just wrote it when they were traveling between texas and arkansas on a bus yeah. or something you know that's kind of what i thought okay that it's, makes but sense. it also has Possible. kind of a southwestern sort of it does it's feel. got a little twang to the sort guitar a, a yeah sound to it yeah one thing i noticed the string note uh sequence between the chorus and the verses that's like da 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 reminded me of yeah. invincible by pat benatar oh, oh yeah can to be innocent. Yeah, you know, I don't know the words, but yeah, it, I just that just popped into my head when I was uh, when I was listening. That's a good call, good throw to that song. Nice. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I love hearing Mike Mills sing. Yeah, and I you know I've heard stories through interviews and whatever about sometimes Stipe just says, 
I got nothing. Why don't you take this one? Here we go. Or or sometimes he might be singing. There's a couple songs that, uh, well, there's one that I can think of, but there's got to be more, that there's a version of both of them singing the song. Hmm. Yeah. So you can hear the same song being sung by Mike Mills and Michael Stey. Wow. Which is pretty cool. It is. And it's nice with all the anniversaries that they've been releasing all of this bonus content. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, I don't know, somebody might like to hear it. But Stipe always says, I don't want to hear it. You know, <laughs> he's like, it, there's, a, yeah. there's a reason why we didn't put it out that way. And it is cool that they switch off lead yeah. singers because, like, I don't know how many bands actually do that. Or yeah, it doesn't happen very like, often. You know, unless you're at a Foo Fighters concert and the lead singer loses his voice or, and switches then the, with then the drummer. The drummer takes <laughs> over. Like, Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> But that doesn't happen. She no, just, that yeah. would never you know, happen. Like, what's the what's the chance? <laughs> like uh, doing a cover. Unless you were in Des Moines, right? <laughs> it's like what? What was it he said about the next night? Oh yeah, he's, it was in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's like, ah, oh, Sioux Falls is gonna suck. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> and it's not that far away. And then he actually referenced uh, Des Moines because he was on a podcast with uh, Whitney Cummings. Yeah. And then there was a fan that like wrote in like, oh, let's answer some fan questions and said something about Des Moines. He's like, oh, oh yeah, no. Des Moines, man. I'm always going to remember Des Moines. Oh my yeah. God, my boy. I'm like, sweet. And I'm Hello. sitting there in my kitchen like, I was <laughs> there. <laughs> and he made a comment about that during the show. He's yeah. like, I feel like we're going to look back and this is going to be one of those shows that mm-hmm. I'm going to remember because uh, because I could barely get through it. I mean, yeah. you could hear it right from the beginning. You, if you go to YouTube, yeah. you can hear the first song when they started playing Run. It was Run. Fly. Yeah. Or Run, yeah. Oh, man. And he then... sounds so rough. And it, it's even more amplified if you listen to it now. Because yeah. When we, when we were there, I was like, I didn't really really get it until yeah. maybe the second song yeah it was fly the second song well I'm because like, you're in, you're at a concert yeah. and you've got so much adrenaline and you're just loving like, uh, that you're seeing the foo fighters but yeah, yeah you, that, you that, a, better a it, similar yeah. thing happened uh lars and i went to see adina menzel yeah at uh R- ravina uh i believe that's the name of it outside of chicago um, uh, do you mean or, Adele Dezim? Yeah, Adele yes, Dezim, that's right. Or, or, uh, not Ravina or Ravinia. Ravinia right. Is that what it is? Sure, I don't Ravinia. Know. I, it's a weird fucking name. Yeah. I don't know. But we went and saw her there, and she had was like losing her voice. Like, oh no! But like everybody was okay with it for it's the most like, part. You're but famous, we but love you. It's different watching Dave Grohl go through songs like a rock song where you're already kind of gravelly and raspy, yeah. you know, when you, when you scream, sing yeah, <laughs> for a lot of your songs, but you're a Broadway singer. Yeah. And it's more delicate. And it's it like, was, it was rough. Oh. It was rough, yeah. but it was still cool to see her. I remember very rough. I remember Foo Fighters went right before it was like, it was monkey wrench, you know? Oh, and he yeah. was, I love that Dave was so honest and open about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, guys, I'm trying my best. Here we go. Mm-hmm. We're going to put on a show. I broke my leg. I came back. We're not canceling. We're going to go for mm-hmm. it. And then here comes Monkey Rich right at the end, you know, right before he yells <laughs> out, one last thing before. And he's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Just like, I, we are nowhere near him, obviously. Yeah. But. Think about when we're on the stage, you know, doing karaoke and granted, we're just fucking around and, you know, we're having (laughs) drinks. We're not taking that good a care of our voice, but it fucking hurts. It does. It hurts so much to try to push that out of your throat. It's and just got to be years and years of like, uh, you know, right? Uh, years and years of singing, and probably built up so much like scar tissue in his throat and stuff. Oh but my God. yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's got to be. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I think he's just, you know, he's just built the muscle up, you know, yeah. so he can just fight through it. God, I wish I had that muscle. God. Anyway, yeah. we're going on to the next one. Um, here we are. You want to announce it, Joe? Um, it is country feedback. Yes, it is. <laughs> country <laughs> one, feedback. Two, three, four. Another song where there's really no good point to fade out, <laughs> but um, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, okay, so it says country feedback. Yeah. And it kind of goes with the flow with the text arcana, and uh, so it's kind of country-ish and yeah. a little bit bluesy, so you feel the pain from blues, because the blues is all about feeling the pain and everything like that yeah but yet the pace of it i'm thinking country i'm thinking like outdoor right right yeah it kind of has the pace of like riding a horse on a slow mm. oh, i see what you're doing yeah a little bit i don't know that's yeah just... and they they, <laughs> they made the observation that the title of the song almost describes the sound of the song right and not necessarily the message the, the of lyrical it. yeah yes it's like okay you're phone in hand and then there's that what do you what do you got yeah. barnes on the 2001 um uh concert dvd that uh, rem did perfect square before doing the song michael stipe said this was his favorite uh song of all time yeah oh wow and i, I uh, yeah i, I it's I guess a, I feel like this is the song that you really dig or that you really like if you're one of those hardcore REM fans. I accept that title. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's kind of that, like, you know that you're a real REM fan if you dig country feedback. Yeah. And uh, Because it's not one of the obvious, it's not one of the obvious songs. It wasn't a yeah. hit. Uh, you have to dig deep into the album for it. You know, it's the second to last track. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it's... um. It's it's definitely got that haunting kind of you know feel. And it, I liked your description, it, Joe, too, where you talked about them being a talk like somebody being on a horse. I yeah, thought that yeah. Was interesting. yeah. I feel like it. Whenever I hear it, and especially now in headphones, the, the song kind of engulfs you. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much sound coming, and I, I don't know the yeah. best way to describe that, but it's just oh, I love it. Here we go.
it's like reminiscent of a like a slow jam session or something. Yeah. And uh, it's another one that I love to sing along with as well. Maybe pretty. pretty oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I think it's I think it's pretty incredible that they had an album with such a dynamic where they went from a song like Shiny Happy People yeah. to something like this. You know? <laughs> like I mean those songs are just so, you know, yeah. they're so divergent. And I feel like it's uh, it's really uh really just kind of a testament to like their creativity and um and uh I don't know the different the different types of songs they could create. It's one of those things. Like if I played that song for everyone in my family, they would all hate it. <laughs> but I I don't know. I just love it so much. And it brought me so much joy to hear that, uh, my, what Michael Stipe said about it. And I know yep. that, you know, sometimes an artist, they can kind of bounce back and forth, much like fans can, you know, they, they might with time change their attitude towards a certain song mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. is, or especially come around to stuff yeah. that was just like beating them over the head yeah. earlier in their career. Retrospect, but, hindsight. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, top 10 songs. Yeah. That's a pretty good it. one. Yeah. I love it. And, right. uh, we're going to move on this to is, the last track. It's what closes out the record so keep in mind what we started with yeah this and is number 11 this is number 11 and closing out the me and honey thank you sir here we go about songs that i love to sing this is it yeah and how they didn't attempt to get this on the radio yeah i don't get this it this is like a definitely a radio tune this is like a surprise hit yeah for, for me anyway when i listen to the album especially it's, it's with one it's one of my favorites mm -hmm. it's so good especially having in the background from b52s like why is that not on the radio yeah, you know, an extra piece, you know. What do you think, Sam? I didn't. Um, I actually, the first couple of times I listened to this again, I was like, I don't know if I really like this song. Really? Yeah, yeah, for real. And then you know, the last couple of times I listened to it, I was like, okay, yeah, it's kind of, it's really kind of, it started to grow on me. Can you tell me why you weren't feeling it? Well, the. I don't know if it was just the monotony of the guitar riff because it really oh, doesn't see. change musically throughout the entire song. Yeah, there's not really where I feel like there's so much more diversity, like throughout the rest of the record. I feel like this song really just kind of stays at the same level with that one guitar riff. I like uh, Michael and Kate singing together. I think they sound great. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those that's that's kind of starting to grow on me. I accept. I, I didn't really remember it. For, I didn't really remember it from like years ago. I I, I knew it was on the album, but yeah, I just love it so much. And I I hate to bring up another podcast again, but when the but when the guys um, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott brought it up, he Adam Scott had found out that Scott had not listened to this album really. Like he kind of skipped over it when it was new, mm-hmm. and so. Adam Scott said, so you've never heard me and honey. And he's like, no. And it like blew his mind that as a so-called REM fan, he had never heard the song because it packed that kind of a punch to him as well. Here, let's fade back up and we'll come right back. I've never been one to shy away from a good, like, poppy-sounding song. Like, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me more if it's new shit now that I'm getting old. But, you know, <laughs> that's that's just the way that it is. <laughs> but but I I don't know. I I love that song so much. And I wonder, to your point, Sam, when you were talking about the, the guitar being repetitive... And the yep. and the sound throughout. However, yeah. I guess my rebuttal to that, so to speak, would be that their voice, their voices are doing the work that the instruments were doing in the other songs because they're all over the place. Sure. And maybe it's just that the sound of the guitar is just as powerful in this one as their voices are. So because I've Although I've heard it so many times, I never thought about that until you said it. I mean, I I knew it, like I know it when I listen to it, but it, it's never drawn my attention. So that that's interesting that you brought my attention to that. But then after you said it, I'm listening to their voices and saying, yeah, but they're like, it's a roller coaster where they're going. And especially Kate Pearson, she's so good at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, fucking look at Private Idaho, you know? Yeah. And uh, it... It's like her specialty. And so I'm wondering when they were at Paisley Park, if that's where they were potentially mixing, like you said, and they brought it up and said, hey, we've got this other song. <laughs> if you want to, I mean, do you want to do the same thing again? Yeah, try this. And out. then it's like her voice fading out at the end to close out the album. Yeah. Done. And it's so fucking fantastic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go ahead. No, I, I mean, I just I think. I think it's. I think I typically list. I think I typically hear the instrumentation more than I do um, stuff lyrically yeah. and vocally. Sometimes, I, I think I'm more drawn to like the instrumentation of of songs more so than than that. Uh, but I I love them singing together on this song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that part I really like. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I feel like it's growing on me, but it, it wasn't one of the songs when I listened to it the first couple of times that I was like, this is great. Like This is a right. really it didn't pack quite the song. same punch to you. Yeah, this is an interesting album vocally for, for this band because they've got Michael Stipe, who everyone knows as the most prominent member of the band mm-hmm. and probably a lot of people consider to be one of the best vocalists, you know, ever. Yeah. But he doesn't sing the lead vocals on two songs. Right. There's a lot more additional vocal contributions from Mills on other songs and Kate Pearson. And he's basically spoken word on like two songs, low and belong Mm -hmm. and Endgame, He doesn't sing at all except for the chorus, which is like I said, phonetic stuff. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I, I don't think that there was, I think it was just the way they did it. But when I first list the first time I listened to, to it through this week, I felt like, was he having problems with his voice? Mm. Was he out of ideas? Was he just not like feeling like writing lyrics? I just yeah. thought it was kind of interesting that they have Michael Stipe in the band. Yeah. And they didn't, you know, there's several songs where it's like he's not prominently right. singing. What a difference it would have made in this album if it didn't have Losing My Religion with him yeah. At, yeah. Oh, yeah. at the mic. No right. That. Yeah. Man. What What did you think of me and honey? Um, I think it was a good closer. You know, yeah. it was a fun one. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of bookended the beginning of uh, of radio song and uh, yeah. just kind of it matched up. It's yeah. I think and it's a it great just, way to to end the album. It Absolutely. was just like a big roller coaster. It really was. Of just like, and then this boom, one's this boom, one's like the very boom. end. You just level off yeah. and head out into the sunset yeah. when the roller coaster derails. i love it yeah so i think that was a great uh ending for it now you weren't at like you've heard this in passing and you know being friends with me you're bound to listen to every rem album at some point (laughs) but but what was your opinion of this one not being as big of an rem fan although Uh, i feel like when we're done here, you'll right. be you'll be there. I, I, the tattoo's already scheduled. Exactly. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> right there. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I think it, uh, if it's down to one word, I'd say diverse. Yeah. Um, just with all the sounds, all the vocals, all the different ranges of like, oh, that's kind of a country song. That's mm-hmm. kind of a. Uh, it's more poppy. That's a little bit more. You know. Yeah. There's so many albums out there that they just kind of stay true to one sound and then they kind of have the same sound, but they slow it down because that's the ballad. Right. And then they kind of bring it back to, you know, I was like, okay. So yeah, this, this album was just diverse, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody knows what I think of it. So Sam, I'm going to need your final thoughts. And in addition to that, if you remember at the beginning of the episode, you said that maybe you were coming around a little bit on this album. So we need to find out about that. Well, I, I mean, I think I'm definitely coming around on me and honey. I think. Excellent. When I come I, I don't think it's. <laughs> yeah. I said that I didn't, I, I, I said that I didn't feel like this was one of my favorite REM albums. Yeah. And I mean, I probably wouldn't put it. I don't know. I could probably count tick off like maybe seven or eight albums that I like more than this one. Yeah. I have to admit. No, that's fair. Uh, you know, but, um, I mean, I, 
it's it's got sentimental value because like i said it's the first rem album i ever had i was playing drums to it you know i was learning to 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 like play the drums when i was listening to this album so it has that sentimental connection yeah um uh and like but by no means it's an rem album and by no means do i like hate it or dislike it you know it's not like any album that i don't like but i think i hold that this band to kind of a higher standard you know, mm-hmm. because I'm a big fan and I have yeah. a lot of REM songs that I really connect to and I really like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's kind of like it's when I when I reach out for like an REM album, it's it's not really typically the one that I go for. It's fair. Yeah, Which, you know? What what would be your number one album that you go for? Oh, that's tough. Um, I can tell you what mine is as of lately. Yeah. And lately, I've really been digging into Reckoning. Yeah. I and mean, and I was and I was there in 2019 as well, which is why I was really tempted to buy that hmm. really expensive vinyl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I was so close to getting it. Yeah, yeah. I think Reckoning or Document maybe. Um, oh might, yeah, might, Document might be, for might sure. Might be one of so my good. favorites. Yeah, but there's so many. I mean, really, the three albums they did after this are all ones I absolutely love mm-hmm. that closed out the 90s. Um, especially when they started to rock a little bit more with Monster and then New Adventures. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really got into those. Like there really is an REM album for almost every type of sound that mm-hmm. you could be looking for. Like pretty close. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting too, about this band, at least for me and probably for you as well, I feel like their albums were coming out and hitting at these certain points in my life where I can sort of attach them to all of these moments and like times in my life. Yeah. So it's, you know, like when I was in high school, Monster came out, you know, and then at the end of high school, early college for me was kind of new adventures. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, I, I just feel like they're one of those bands that I've kind of just always kind of had along with me, like as I've as I've been growing up. Yeah. So. um, So that's kind of. uh, Yeah, it's it's they're just kind of one of those bands. Excellent. You know, kind of one of those yeah. like one of my favorite one of my favorite bands with so much so much great music. I love it. Yeah, I like it. Like I said, I, I listened to Losing My Religion and, and heard that in sort of a different way this time. Sweet. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was different than I had in years, really. I, I would really recommend you check out that song, Exploder, tonight yeah. on Netflix. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I, I still don't think, I don't know, I, I still don't think it passes up some of my, like, some of my favorites. That's all right. That's fair. It's, they have what? How many albums? 14 or 15? Yeah. <laughs> so as I said earlier, this is not my favorite album. But yeah. for what we're going for within this podcast, yeah. I felt like it fit the bill really well mm-hmm. because it wasn't like, you know, Evanescence has a new album coming out. And I'm listening to some of the teaser tracks that they have on Spotify. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, when this album comes out, at you know, it'll be my turn here in a few weeks again. Do I bring up this one? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that there's enough variety in it for me to bring it to the table. Yeah. And when I was thinking about variety, this one popped up and I said, yeah. there's so many things that we can talk about mm-hmm. in here, including Absolutely. but not limited to the the way that the tracks feel, but then also bringing in Kate Pearson yeah. in yep. it. Like- and and I don't know. So that's that. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of my my thought process behind it. Yeah, I th- I'm. That's interesting that you said that because actually, when I was trying to come up with what album I was going to pick for next week, yeah, 
I was struggling with the same thing. I was Boy. like, well, I really love this album and I kind of want to maybe pick this one. But then I thought, but how, how diverse is it? Yeah. Like how, you know, what kind of, what kind of, what sound do you talk well, yeah, about? Because the last thing gonna, that you want to differentiate it. Yeah, yeah. The last thing you want is when we go to the next track, you say, well, what do you think about this track? Well, it kind of sounds like the last one. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, I think there's so many, like, there's so many albums that I really love, but yeah, there's sometimes I feel like I, we need to, at least from my standpoint, I thought I need to pick something, yeah, that just has a little more musical variety because otherwise, you're right. Like you, you mm -hmm. said, we're just going to be like, well, one through ten, those all kind of sounded like that band, <laughs> <laughs> which they're, is they're all good songs. And don't but, get me wrong, I love Evanescence and yeah, fan, yeah. fantastic in concert and great albums. But that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah. they just all sound too similar. Right. I can't do right. it. Well, we I guess that leads us to the next album. The next album. Let's hear it. Okay. Um, so I was, my first choice until about midweek was actually in the same time period as this album. Ooh. But then I decided that we should maybe break out of the 90s. Okay. Are we dating ourselves here? I was, thinking that that too. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's, let's break out of the 90s. We've yeah. been there for the last couple of albums. And, Fair. Uh, and Janet's album was in 89. So it's all really kind of close. So I said, yeah. all right, let's, let's, Let's uh, diverse it, uh, diversify a little. Excellent. Um, so I'm I uh, I've chosen for us to listen to um, one of my favorite albums from the 2010s, okay. uh, from 2013 to 20, be specific. Okay. All right. And this album is um, one of my favorites because of what influenced the album. And it's timely as well because uh, the group actually just recently announced their breakup. So I've chosen oh. Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. Oh, Dude, I'm pretty excited that's about this. Timely. That's timely. Nice. Excellent choice. That's going to be a wildly different sound. <laughs> like, <laughs> it will be. Uh, good, good call. Yeah. Good call on getting out of the 90s. Yeah. It's hard for me to do personally yep. and on a podcast. I was, yep. I was thinking so. somewhere around the 2000s. Yeah, my, I don't know what, but I'm just like, yeah, I gotta kind of throw it out. I can, <laughs> I can certainly say that I have not listened to that all the way through, so I'm excited. I'm gonna, cool. I'm gonna learn some new shit. Yeah, this that's gonna, gonna be, cool. be great. Yeah, I yeah. think I only know maybe two songs. So to what, sit there, can you tell me the the biggest hit that was on that album? Uh, Get Lucky. Yeah, that's right. Featuring oh, uh, Pharrell Williams. Okay. Yeah. And very techno. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So. So anyway, that's uh, that's it. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to Daft Punk. Yeah. That's going to be fantastic. Ooh. I'm. I feel like I'm going to learn some that shit. That feels like a party. <laughs> Do and let me ask you this: Do any of their albums feel anything like Tron, or is that just like a complete one-off? I think. I think there's similarities, especially in some of the earlier stuff. I think this album is pretty different from Tron, you know? Okay. Um, one of the reasons I was so interested in getting it and like, I actually purchased a physical CD copy of this, like, mm -hmm. oh. you know, actual CD of this. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons I was so interested in it was because I really dug the Tron soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so good. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's quite different. It's, it's more musical and it's not as um, 
synthetic. Is okay. That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, there's more human instrumentation and a lot more, uh, you know, that uh, that kind of thing on this album. Less relying on computers. Or less yeah. Correct. Yeah, which is totally different from what they did on their early Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm stoked. I like it. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I we're, think it'll be fun. We are, uh, we're done. We're Let's do it. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.